0: It's probably my headphones. <laughs> there we go. Good now?
1: Good now. All right, cool. Well, thanks right for joining on. us. This is uh, the official start to episode 16 of an untold narrative. Uh why don't you introduce yourself? Well, thanks for having me on. It's been uh it's been a while since we last chat.
0: My name is Shu. Um guess I'm a footwear designer slash maker, designer of all sorts of things, I guess.
1: Yes, sir. Um, you kind of do have a unique name, your name's Shu, and you work in footwear. Um, have you ever had that conversation with anybody?
0: <laughs> you know, I feel like it's one of those things that you kind of like, it's so absurd that you just say it, and people are like, oh yeah, I guess it was like, you know, given that you were to get into this industry, and I'm like, you know here we are but no it was uh wasn't planned by any means it just like spontaneously happened so (laughs) nice uh one of those things i guess
1: yeah absolutely uh where are you right now right now i'm back home in uh seattle seattle washington so uh just to give people some context and some background uh we obviously i think we've met just through ig and stuff like that and just like having similar connections uh in footwear uh you've obviously done a lot uh so far in your very youthful career um but i don't know how much of, of these you've watched but i always like to bring it back to kind of where you grew up kind of what your childhood was like how you got started in design right because even you know, when, when I was growing up, like, I didn't know industrial design or, or footwear design. Yeah. even a thing. I, didn't, I didn't know it was a thing either. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you, uh, are you originally from Seattle? Is that where you were raised? or So originally born in Japan
0: um, and then raised on Oahu. Uh, lived there for about 14 years. And then my freshman year of high school, I moved to Seattle where I went to Ingram High School and then went to the University of Washington. Um, but I guess in terms of design, I was always one of those kids, I feel like, with all industrial designers that was like taking things apart to try to figure out, like, not even necessarily put it back together, just to see like, you know, what's
1: inside of things. Oh, you broke up there. Being.
0: I remember like all the preschools that I went to. Oh, can you hear me?
1: Yeah, you got a little frozen cut up there.
0: Oh, no worries. I feel like my internet cuts in and out. Uh, But I was saying, I feel like it started in preschool. I remember all the preschools that I went to and uh there was one that was like more of a, a Montessori school where you know I think Montessori schools the basis is you kind of get to like choose whatever it is that you want to do as a kid and you know the education is sort of catered towards um what you gravitate towards and I was always gravitating towards you know all of the sort of tangible physical like physics-esque types of toys whether it be like the marble stacking things I don't know if you play with those as a kid yeah but it was all I feel like every time I would gravitate to those sorts of things or anything that you're really constructing something and um, I guess as I grew up that mentality just kind of like repeated itself and I feel like the first time I was exposed to quote-unquote design was through um, my mom's friend a good family friend of mine and um, she's an interior designer and so you know, she would have these CAD modeling programs. I think it was Google SketchUp and we would have like a CAD model of, you know, the current house that we were in or something like that. And you could apply like textures and like add all sorts of furniture and add dimensions to things. And so like, for me, I didn't know what I was doing or anything, but I was just like <laughs> slapping glass on all the walls and was like, this is just cool. Like it's a 3d space that's representing the space that I'm in.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, you know, we, have been in touch for a long time. And, you know, as her career moved forward, I got to see, you know, uh, you know, say scale models of interiors and buildings and things like that. And so that was kind of the first time that it clicked. That it was like, oh, people actually design space. People design like objects. And from there, I feel like my eye towards design started to open up more into um, all things that you can make. Uh, but I didn't necessarily know how to apply that because the only lens of design that I understood was like interior design from that angle. Um, But I feel like from there, um, you know, that being the lens, I was trying to replicate, you know, physical structures. And so architecture was something that was really interesting. And um, I would try to build like the scale models of things. Um, whether it be just a paper or what have you, to try to like represent an idea of something that I wanted to make. And uh, yeah, I think I don't know how I could probably ramble on forever <laughs> into like some weird winding loop into how I got to where I am
1: now. But do you remember like a, a specific uh, example of like what's that making something like, like that, like to translate an idea?
0: Yeah, I think one of the first things that I, like, sort of mocked up, um, it was literally just, like, these thin, sliver paper that I, these little rings. Um, So you can kind of imagine just, like, a paper loop. I'm, like, looking around here for something that would kind of represent that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Got this posted right here. Uh, Cut it up real quick.
1: You're you're gonna be our first so guest. Essentially like all I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> man. if you can see my desk right now, it's a mess of just like a bunch of stuff. I got like drills and like <laughs> bike clips and just like pliers and you know, you know, this is on the low. <laughs> just oh weird stuff. But anyways. Essentially I had a bunch of these little rings like this. Yeah. And um they were all different kinds of sizes and what I ended up doing was just gluing those together and ultimately created like this sort of membrane net sort of thing and um, you know like put my face in it and just kind of like imagine what that would be like to be in a structure that was constructed of like these little loops or whatever and um, you know I think I didn't really understand you know I wasn't really thinking about like how would you actually make this with like real materials at scale Um, but it was just kind of like whatever I could grasp around me to try to represent some type of idea and like understand how the material like defines what that structure would be and so that's kind of like one of the touchstone things that I always think about um, when when I try to like you know retrospectively think about when that is I first started like prototyping things because I feel like that's been like really inherent to my process and it's evolved a lot since you know that's probably not even the first example of it but you know as far as I can remember
1: totally so and you 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 mentioned you grew you spent 14 years on Oahu like in Hawaii yeah. like, right in Hawaii yeah we're not going to just skip over that aspect of your life <laughs> <laughs> <just pretty> Hawaiian. <laughs> 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 yeah or, I mean
0: it, it feels like, like, like man I, well, I'll let you guys in on a, a secret that uh, I'm honestly quite ashamed of, but I only surfed once while I was in Hawaii. <laughs> Which, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's one of my biggest regrets. Oh, man. But uh, the one time I did, I was hooked. I was more of a, a boogie board and body surfing guy, um, cliff jumping and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it was... Uh, it was pretty great to be honest. I mean, sunshine and, you know, 80 degree weather basically year round every single day. Um, great people. The, the vibe there is just kind of like serene, I guess, so to speak. And, um, yeah, it's just like a great amalgamation of people and man, I wish I could, uh, To have like the the perspective I have now going back there as well as like You know all the hiking and surfing and all that kind of stuff to take advantage of but it's a great place to grow up as a kid
1: Yeah, but I imagine that the culture is much different. It's not like the hustle that like uh, uh, (laughs) No, I don't I don't think you necessarily go to Hawaii to hustle whatsoever. I feel like It's like, Like people like probably work and then they shut down and really like love and enjoy life right, right and I feel like that model um, That just, like,
0: lifestyle design, if you will, is just, like, something I aspire to because, you know, like, that has such a profound effect on, like, just how you function as a human being and, like, the the physiological effects of it as well i mean like legit like everybody just looks younger in hawaii like i'll see friends that i haven't seen in a long time like dude your face is like the same as like (laughs) (laughs) 10 years ago you know and it's like it's it's easy for me to like see somebody on the street say in seattle or like boston or wherever like i know they're from hawaii just because of the way that like their face has formed like there's just kind of like a natural like smile and like youthfulness you know it's it's just it's crazy it's crazy I clearly don't have that. <laughs> so
1: when you when you when you uh, when you guys left Hawaii, where did you move to to, to Seattle? So moved to Seattle, yeah. Yeah. What what yeah, was the that was
0: uh, so we were living with uh, our family friends at the time in Oahu, um, I think for the better part of four years there and then also in Seattle. And so when they decided to move, we kinda of just were like my mom was like, We'll move as well. And you know, at the time I was like, What? 1415 whatever age that you start high school. And of course, I didn't want to move. But, you know, retrospectively, it's probably like one of the best things that ever happened in terms of opportunities for me because you know if I was in Hawaii right now, I have no idea where I'd be at in terms of career, school, whatever it is. So it definitely
1: uh, was a great move. So so what did what what was it in, in high school and in Seattle, maybe and an influence that like got you into this design career? Did, did you graduate with a design degree? So high school, um, I don't know if there was an
0: influence in high school, I think I wasn't necessarily the best student <laughs> academically <laughs> um, by any measure. Ever since I can remember. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I always did well in like, you know, classes that were hands on. So whether it be like a shop class or art classes, I always did well in Um, The one like stem related class that i did well in was a uh, geometry and i've always kind of been fixated on like geometry and i feel like that ties into you know architecture and engineering and things like that but um to be honest i i didn't know anything about like careers or college much less you know being like a first generation college student like didn't know anything about the process, or what schools had, what majors, much less what majors were, and all those other kinds of things. So, um, thankfully, I had um, a lot of great help um, from different programs for underserved youth. Um, so I was able to, you know, get the guidance I needed to figure out what the application process was. Like. Shout out to Bound. I, um, I don't know if they have that like nationally, but they definitely uh, helped out for me personally as well as for some of my friends um but i think it was through that that you know we did all these different college tours and we we're fortunate enough to have the funding to go to like stanford and you know fly, see, tours and whatnot and through those um you know we got to see the these different programs that uh, these universities have and um one of the things i started to gravitate towards was like mechanical engineering um, just because that, to me, was like the closest tie that I could figure to, you know, wanting to make things, you know. So I was like, all right, these are the people that make shit. Uh, I don't know who else does. I have like a semblance of like architecture, interior design, but I thought that was like, street building. And so I was like, who else is gonna make, you know, this thing or, you know, this thing like those guys? And so, um, you know. I started to apply and start to cater like my education more towards, you know, math and chemistry and all these sort of STEM related things. Um, and that was kind of like, I guess, the influence into getting into that trajectory um, applied to a bunch of colleges. Didn't get into any of them <laughs> because again, my grades were like not great.
1: Um, college?
0: But after getting rejection, I got it. Okay. I got into one, but it was like some, obscure private school in San Diego and I was like, nah, like that ain't for me. <laughs> like also it was like yeah, I think it was also like 50k a year, which was like not happening. Um, so I think what ended up happening is I got rejected from the University of Washington, you know, right up the street. And uh, one of my best friends told me to write a letter of appeal. I'm like what is that? A letter of appeal? Like just basically asking them like, hey, you're like you made a mistake, like let me in please. Um, so I was like, whatever. And I, I think I ended up writing that letter. And um, I think it was something like two weeks later, I got a letter of acceptance. <laughs> so something weird happened That's within okay. that. Yeah, I guess it. I guess it's a thing. So for all you out there like me, <laughs> don't have the best grades, don't have the best SAT scores, um, try knocking at the door one more time, (laughs) but I'm not sure if that's, that's exactly what happened. I mean, it it was kind of a blur to me. I was like, literally got rejected and was like, all right, am I going to, I guess I'll go to like community college and I'll play soccer or something like that. Um, And then that kind of like flipped my life around on a dime again. So it's just like, there's those weird moments in life that you kind of look back on that you're like, I wonder what my trajectory would have been if X or Y or Z had. You didn't write a letter
1: after you already got rejected, being like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, essentially, yeah, I was like, this is why you made a
0: mistake. Like, I'm going to be an asset. You know, I'm going to do great things, essentially. And like, just kind of like, I don't know, see why your application. You know may not have represented like your ability to contribute to the university (laughs) properly or whatever it was i don't think i wrote a very coherent letter to be honest but hey it worked that's that's ended up what happened what
1: happened so so did you or you went to the university of washington for mechanical engineering Mm -hmm. or Yeah, so the first quarter, I was like dead set
0: on like mechanical engineering, slogging through calculus, chem, you know, all these classes that are meant to like weed you out and, you know, get the cream of the crop. And uh, it was definitely weeding (laughs) myself out, (laughs) per se, you know, and I was doing all right, but it was like literally staying up to like ridiculous hours of the night trying to like cram information into my head that like was a lot to take in as well as like having a job. And so, you know, I feel like with everything, you know, whether it be sports, academics, or any type of skills, like I grew up skating um, as a kid and like skated basically from Hawaii to Seattle, but um, not not like between you know across the oceans. <laughs> but um, you know, I feel like with those things, you you hit a you hit a point where you look around and you're like, yeah, I'm never gonna be as sick as that guy. Like there's just like a different level of skill set that like they're just inherently know whether it be like with their body or like mentally and so I feel like with you know the math and chemistry type of things there was just like I was watching people absorb and like process this information like way faster than i could and like you know they were creative with the ways that they were solving those problems and that's just not the way that like my brain naturally wants to work and so you know i was like this is gonna be like i'm just gonna have to put in more hours than these guys and like make this happen sure. and so i was going to continue to go through that but um i think it was the end of my freshman year i like stumbled across like the design program at uw um, because I, I didn't even know that design was a discipline to be studied, you know? Right, oh, right. So um, it was the design 166 course at the university of Washington. That was kind of the introductory course um, to the program. And there was something like 150 kids in there. And I found out like on the first day that like basically only 15 of the people in the class were going to move on if like they got like a certain GPA or whatever it is. And I was like, Oh, like th- this is like
1: and there's a 100- hundred just
0: as competitive as all the other mages. There was like one hundred and fifty kids in that class <laughs> you know? And so they offer that class twice twice a year. And if you don't pass that, then you have to take like a summer entrance thing and they let another fifteen people in. So all in all across the f- two quarters, they let in thirty, and then through that entry thing, they let another fifteen. And so you have a cohort of like forty five people. And so I was like, all right, well, This is what I like doing. Like, I didn't realize there's like a program that isn't necessarily all the calculus and chemistry of like making something, but, you know, actually focusing on like the user interfaces or like the form giving and problem solving around, you know, those things. And it's just like another dimension to bringing a product to life in conjunction with like mechanical engineering and all these other kinds of things and so i was like all right bet like this is the way that i'm gonna like get into this and so again scraped by and got like the gpa to like be that person be one of those 15 people to get into that program and um yeah it was just kind of like i feel like it was that point that i Way to like register my way of thinking um, that was like inherent to me, kind of going back to like, like that thing that you're just like good at, um, that then opened the door for me to like I guess engage myself because before that I feel like I honestly didn't know how to learn um, just because the way that learning was presented to me wasn't the way that I was naturally you know processing information, but through this lens of design and through the curriculum that they um, taught it just kind of like clicked perfectly. And I was from there, I was just like,
1: let's go. Right. That's awesome. And so you, you, you did the design course in four years, right? Yes. I think it was from sophomore year to senior year, like a three year program. And then how did you discover uh, a love of, of footwear or did you know that when you were edging towards graduation, did you know, like shoe designing is what you wanted to do? Not at all.
0: Not at all. Um, I thought I was gonna go into more furniture design. Um, So, let's see, you know, obviously the curriculum is whatever the university, it's like unique to the university, you know, uh, what they, what types of project they cater to. A lot of the times it has to do with uh, what industries and what connections are, you know, prevalent around the school and for us it was more um consumer electronic focused as well as like a uh, aviation design focus because we have boeing out here right. and there's a studio called teague that has a i think it's the sole design studio for all of like the boeing interiors and things like that um, really cool studio um but yeah they have a connection to that um, studio out there so all the projects kind of like cater towards that type of aesthetic and um, problem solving as well as some like kitchen oriented things but um, that wasn't you know where I wanted to go with design and like, I feel like with any sort of discipline um once you get into it you start to see the different avenues and the different perspectives that um people have in it and whether you agree or want to go in those same directions is kind of like up to you and your unique interests and things like that and i knew that i didn't want to design kitchen tupperware or you know you know (laughs) uh, these types of things and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever that people that want to do that but that just wasn't something that i could resonate with um i thought like the interior of airplanes and things were cool and everything but um Again, it still wasn't something that I felt it wasn't as hands on as like all the things that I I wanted to do. And so I was lucky enough to um, start to work with uh, a few local furniture designers here in Seattle. Um, Shout out to Semi Good Design and uh, (laughs) Nicky Oshihara and Tom, Tom Jones. Uh, Both of those guys really uh, took me under their wing in terms of like, helping out with different builds and projects and things like that um but uh yeah i was working with those guys building anything from interiors of uh restaurants and uh you know just custom furniture pieces as well as like stuff from their own collections and i thought during school or is this post-school this was during school, yeah. Yeah. So it was like just kind of on the side, especially in the summers. That's kind of like what my summer jobs were. It was just kind of like slogging it out in like the basement. Yeah, I was like sanding like a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So that kind of shaped my whole mentality of like industrial design. <clears throat> so I think fast forward to like senior year. Uh, I finished my capstone early um, so that I could go to ICFF in New York. To, it's like, you know, the annual furniture convention out there where all the sort of industry heads and studios go to like show off the work and, you know, interior designers come to buy and things like that. Um, just to kind of check out what the scene was like and like if this was something that I really wanted to get into. And so that was my first time flying out to New York. had a blast. Um and you know saw what these studios were presenting and things like that and it was all beautiful work there was some really inspiring stuff but um i felt like it was kind of like this weird barrier entry you know like i feel like you it takes a lot of money to even like start one of those studios um much less participate as a consumer in those types of products And so there was like this level of detachment that I felt in terms of like having it resonate with myself personally. And then on top of that, you know, in terms of stability, it felt like this was just kind of like, not knocking any sort of like studio or whatever, like people that make these things, but you know, it was just a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, you're taking a lot of virgin material at the time, um, at sometimes. And um, that was also sort of part of that conflict. And so, you know, I got back, was still focusing on like furniture and whatnot, but like through a lens of trying to utilize the material for what it wants to do. And then kind of with this lens of like trying to be as, um, I guess, careful with the amount of cutting or, you know, yields with all the things that I was making just to try to like, have that be part of like the, the stamp of like furniture design that I was trying to work on. And so with the help of Tom at Semi Goods, he helped me kind of like work through a bunch of different projects. And, you know, I was starting to build um, different things for retail shops, as well as like my own personal, like collections and things like that. Um, and I think I was working on a chair at the time and it was kind of like this bent tube steel chair with like a leather sling. And my good friend Clint, Clinton uh, was helping me out with like the leather sling part. And so uh, he had been working at a shared studio space at the time uh, with a bunch of other like Seattle um, clothing designers and things like that. And so we'd had gone up there to like work on the sling portion. And I was just like kind of in awe of like this space that I didn't know existed where People were working on all sorts of things from, uh, you know, their own women's lines to men's collections and things like that. And um, there was this one cat, Luis, uh, um, who was working as well. You yeah, know, he was putting together a pair of, uh, I think their pair of Air Jordans. Nice. And uh, I had never seen anybody actually like, sew pattern pieces of a shoe together. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, yo, like, w- what are you doing? Like. <laughs> <That's> so <cool. laughs> what is that? And he's like, oh, like a, I'm like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm like sewing like my shoes. And I'm like, how'd you get those patterns? Like, it was how does this all work? And so you kind of showed me, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm also like, you know, starting this brand, Guillermo Bravo. um You know, it's like furniture, it's a footwear brand, and you know, we're launching soon. Yada, yeah. And I was just like intrigued, and I had never thought about that as like, you know, something that you could actually design footwear for, you know. Nope. And then I started to think of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it started to like turn in my mind being like, oh, like footwear design, you know, like I played soccer, I skated, I climb, like hike, like fashion, all these sort of things sort of like clicked in my mind and I don't know why it's not something I thought about when I was going through design school. Um, as something that would be viable in terms of a career path. But um, I guess we ended up, I ended up interning for Luis for the better part of a month, I believe. And then that turned into a, a full, not I guess part-time gig paid, um, where I was assisting with everything from um, helping out with like pattern revisions, choosing materials, um, but also kind of like being jack of all trades to like doing graphic design and um all these other sorts of things but just really immersing myself into kind of like this more independent footwear scene where you know this is a small brand that's trying to make you know a big splash and a launch um with footwear that's like made in italy
1: (laughs) for anybody who's listening who's never heard of guillermo bravo go check them out like they they do some really nice definitely I, I I believe it's it's Luis who I've exchanged emails with, uh, even from. Yeah, you. yeah, I believe you have. What a what a what a crazy small world! Like that, you absolutely furniture working on a piece of furniture, led you to like yeah. your first introduction into footwear. That's
0: why. Absolutely, yeah. So <laughs> it was through working with Luis that I eventually uh, got to go out to Italy to, uh, you know, start to work on development for the next line of shoes, as well as, like, you know, go to Linea Pell, and, you know, that was kind of the moment where I was just, like, yep. because I had been following, you know, different footwear designers and whatnot, like, before I started working with Luis, and I believe I was, like, Concept Kicks was, like, the first time I, like, you know, I feel like that's a lot of people's stories, like, oh, yeah, like, follow Concept Kicks. You know, like oh my god, like this. It's like, and it was through that that I was like, oh, like this is an entire world that I never considered before. And then just started following all these different people. And then when I get to linear, like all those people are there, you know. Yeah. And I'm just like, whoa, like this is kind of like, I guess I I don't really know how to phrase it, but like it was just kind of that like moment where I felt like the world was like opening up in front of me, where it was just like these are my people these are the people that I like resonate with it wasn't something that i found in mechanical engineering it's not something i found in furniture design as much um but it was like really within that community where everybody was just like so down
1: so nice and like just willing to help each other you know (laughs) yeah so chill that i was just like not only not not only were did you get flown out to italy while working right so mm-hmm. you're on development but you also got to go to Linnea Pell, and then yeah. i assume that you met like daniel and and a lot of those people well while... daniel dave suzanne you know just
0: like a whole other bunch of people that i'm like still in touch with now because like we all met each other there you know right. like i mean the list goes much longer than that but like you know it'd just be kind of like <laughs> yeah so that was that was really something and I, I owe Guillermo Bravo and Luis a lot for that for that trip and that opportunity to go out there because I feel like without that I mean like without even without getting into Guillermo Bravo I don't think I'd be in the space I am right now in terms of like my footwear career you know so
1: I mean when you start was, thinking about that butterfly effect and <laughs> it, I think about that
0: every day I'm like Man, if I didn't, if i need that piece of pasta where would i be right now <laughs> you know stuff like that just
1: <laughs> i mean yeah that, so that i i literally I, I i was gonna ask you eventually like how how did you get the opportunity to to be part of like construct 161 and it sounds like that was mm. pretty much the the ticket yeah 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 <laughs> essentially yeah,
0: i think uh that was yeah i remember Dan had sent me a text I believe I was at like work at the time and he's like yo would you be down for this and I was like it's funny that you mentioned that because uh you know I think Luis and I had been geeking out about like construct and everything that they were doing out there during the first iteration of it and that was before i was like really into like committed to footwear but i was like yo like this is like where i want to be like this is like it seems like the forefront of like independent footwear design and just like you know explorative ideas and innovation and so you know having that invitation to to then go to construct some i think about a year later or something along those lines was just kind of like, and again, one of those moments that felt like full circle and almost like surreal in a sense where you're just like, uh, like it's almost, yeah, to me, it's like hitting the lottery, you know, it's like, there's so many people that like, you know, been drawing shoes all their life and know they want to get into footwear. And to be quite honest, like I wasn't that guy. It just kind of like happened upon things. And I feel like things have just kind of like, follow that pattern we're just like all right opportunity presents itself let's just kind of like pivot and go with it all with like the mentality that like i want to learn something whether it be through innovation or you know technique and hand craftsmanship like that's kind of the lens that like kind of steers this winding career path that i've been been on but yeah it's been i don't know I've, again it's like those butterfly effect things that
1: just like are surreal sometimes yeah yeah so you i'm assuming right after college you 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 worked for guillermo bravo full-time
0: yes i was working with them part-time for the most part i was honestly like delivering food for like caviar and like i think i had like three or four jobs working at a burger joint shout out to little Woody's, um that (laughs) burger joint honestly like opened so many doors for me to be honest like i think It was through, it's probably through Will Woody's that I ended up like getting that furniture, first furniture gig um, with Yosh. Well, I guess it's a combination of uh, my other homie, Miles, who introduced me, but you know, Yosh was connected with this other homie who like ran the burger shop, like owned the burger shop and like owned this other like chicken and waffle shop that we did like the furniture for. And so like within Seattle, I owe a lot to like all these independent business owners and designers in the community out here, because like everybody kind of like feeds each other with like, you know, gigs as well as like opportunities and things like that. And so, yeah, shout out to little Woody's and like the community there that like (laughs) gave me opportunities
1: to do stuff too. So it's like, (laughs) That's so cool. Um, so you're working a bunch of part-time gigs. Are you like part-time gigs? Are you still looking for full time jobs? Like are you applying to full time like footwear at this point or no? I think at that point I was uh
0: I think I was still looking to do like a combination of things, like whether it be working at like a furniture studio or trying to do like more freelance graphic design. But um you know, I was kind of dead set on whatever it was being like independent, you know, so if I could freelance full time, I think that's what I was trying to work up towards. If I could like figure out a way to do the independent footwear thing, you know, at the time, obviously it was like way over my head in terms of like being able to take on footwear clients, so to speak. <laughs> but I was inspired by like everything I was seeing on concept kicks and, you know, all these cats that were like making it happen. So I was like, that that's what I want to do. Like I want to figure out how to make that happen. And, um, uh, you know, I didn't mind working all these different jobs. You know, I feel like part of the the fun for me is like juggling a bunch of different things and just like the overall hustle, you know, flipping bicycles was like another huge like side hustle for me, which I still do <laughs> just cause like bikes are fun to wrench on. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's as easy as just like retaking a photo and reposting it on Craigslist. But um, I, I, mean,
1: dude, I, I was super transparent when you moved out of your last. <laughs> yeah. time. I'm like, are you going sell me this beautiful glass coffee table for $40? I'm going to flip it. And you're like, all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the hustle.
1: I did sell it for $100, by the way.
0: <laughs> hey, kudos to you, man. I was stoked that I got it for so cheap because I was like, man, if I was leaving right now, I'd flip this. And I was like, that's fine. Like, you win some and you just let let some go you know
1: so no but i i love that mentality right i think there's the, today in 2020 and even a few years back right the internet just gives everybody the opportunity if you want to just work towards it to make a couple extra dollars and it could be a simple yeah. posting a the same product in a different light literally i can't tell you how i've made like the easiest
0: money in my life doing stuff like that <laughs> like so
1: yeah um, I'm, I'm low-key addicted to craigslist yeah, I mean, dude, I, I I think it's fun. Right? You look at the free set. Yeah, it is. You can get away with. it. Um, yeah, exactly. But um, so at what point did uh did you stumble into the Reebok apprenticeship? Like, w- when was Guillermo Bravo? Like, when when were you, uh, kind of looking at apprenticeships or applying to jobs and stuff like that? Well, uh, let's see here. I think you know.
0: I was trying to figure out a way to learn more about footwear construction techniques and um, just like looking for more like footwear oriented mentorship from people that are like way smarter and experienced than I am. Um, Just from my experience, having a mentor in furniture, I knew how valuable that would be. Um, And so I started looking at at for smaller brands that were like more um, developed that could offer that mentorship um as well as like brands outside the country back when you could even fathom going outside the country um but then uh my good homie Nate who's at Reebok as well he actually graduated a year after I did um told me about the Reebok apprenticeship program and he was like yo like you should apply to it and I was like yeah I don't know like I kind of want to do like more independent things (laughs) you know just sort of like super naive um but I ended up applying to it anyway, just because I was like, I just want to see if I could do it. Like just to see if I like have the chops to like, you know, prove it to myself, I guess. And I feel like there's a lot of that. I still do that a lot, you know, whether or not like I want to like actually follow through with something, I'll like try to prove to myself that I can do it. Um, and so I ended up like applying, putting together a portfolio for it. Um, actually, now I'll follow up with this, but I'll rewind and say, um, end up going back and forth corresponding with the recruiter and that was like right around the time that i was going to Linea Pell, and uh, didn't hear back for a while and then i think it was when i got back from italy that i found out that i had gotten you know the position and so i was just like oh like so i guess i'm at this sort of like fork in the road moment where it's like i either move to boston and like take up this apprenticeship or I stay at Guillermo Bravo and like, try to do all these different side hustles and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, So that was kind of like the major decision point for me. And uh, ultimately confounding a bunch of different factors. um, I chose to go to Boston and start that move at Reebok. Um, But before even applying to that position, I had applied to, I skipped over a pretty major part, I started applying to um, the Adidas Design Academy, um, which they were offering at the time, it was like a two-year program, um, right. I think it was located in different places, it might have been like Portland, Germany, and like one other place, but I think the idea was that it was supposed to be like a really intensive program, um, and my good homie, Rafael, put me onto that because I didn't even know about it whatsoever. Um, he just knew that I was, like, working with Luisa Aguirre. My bra was like, yo, like, you should check this out. And so I found out about it four days before the <laughs> the deadline. Oh, shit. And was like, "Uh, well, fuck it. I'll just apply anyway. And I didn't have any semblance of, like, a footwear portfolio. Never had done, like, any footwear projects in my life. And so, you know, I stayed up for, like, legit like, like three days straight like putting together a portfolio and it's probably the worst portfolio you've ever seen in your life <laughs> i i hope i still have those sketches and like portfolios somewhere because like man like have i like to think i came a long way from, Dude, from those I,
1: initial ideas i kept every iteration of printed portfolio that i've ever made in my life for like through college doing there's a stack of like 15 because your portfolio is ever evolving and I ever right. like in the first few were like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what you
0: mean? This was like that too, you know. Like I think there was like praying mantis shoes or something like that in this portfolio, and like all sorts of weird things. But uh, obviously, didn't end up getting into that. Um, yeah, right I was around. gonna ask so
1: you, but didn't- you know,
0: I think it was after. No, <laughs> did not get that. But what I did, what I did get from that. Um, you know was the experience of doing that for three days straight right it was it was that realization that like this is something that I actually like could be interested in doing for like a career you know you spend three days straight doing something like you figure out whether or not you like doing it or not it's a good rule especially when you're not sleeping Um, you know so I, I figure like you know I can't really go wrong if I like try to pursue this as a career path and so that was kind of like the preface to then applying to like different you know programs and whatnot so yeah sorry that was a very long winding road into how i got there
1: no it's it's good i mean it's it's interesting because it's never it's never one simple there there's no one i i don't know i've never i've done this now for for 16 episodes and nobody has an an easy path to where they got to to today so uh, there's, always, <laughs> there's always hurdles or, or obstacles yeah. different jobs or different definitely different, lead you to different things so um and then so you just you did the with the reebok apprenticeship was one or two years uh just a year yeah so and then during that apprenticeship is when you did the construct right yeah yeah i think
0: that was like maybe three months into the apprenticeship um they kind of let me get away with just hopping out and it was perfect because like it was literally a train ride up to uh, new Hampshire from Boston. So like it worked out seamlessly and I was gone for like maybe
1: two work days or something like that. And then that's awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. That's super cool. I mean, um, what, um, now that, now that that year of apprenticeship is over, what are you doing now? Kind of bring us to current day. So current day,
0: um, I'm still, well, I got a contract extension with Reba because technically we're contractors during the apprenticeship. And so I got a contract extension with them and I've been working on a bunch of different projects with them ever since. i still working with Luis at Guillermo Bravo um, on some projects as well. And um, got a bunch of like weird, odd jobs um, doing some stuff for like Companies here and there. I can't probably disclose you okay. know what we're up to, but um, there's that. And then uh, most recently, one that I'm excited about is uh, potentially working with the university and like doing some teaching in like footwear design. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. Nice. It's it's something that I've been been looking to um, do in terms of like whether it be like an online resource or or something of the other um, for designers of color, as well as like, um, female designers, because it's just obviously being in the industry, you kind of like, look around you and like,
1: yo, you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. You're back. We're good. We back. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, you were saying doing something with the university. Um, yeah, so basically, potentially teaching an
0: online class, but it was something that I wanted to do. Anyone was like looking into to, you know, serve these communities and like, especially give back to my community in Seattle, um, who I owe a lot to. You know, where I'm at today, even though it's so early. Um, and so this opportunity popped up and uh, working on something. Hopefully, it will come to come to fruition. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, I can give back in that way as well. That's awesome.
1: So you're, you're, you're not, you're not uh, pigeonholing yourself to one thing. You're kind of working <laughs> different branches silently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Try my best to, you know, just cause like, I feel like if anything I've learned
0: on this journey, like having the ability to like pivot and just like jump right into something that could be completely different or like, you know, somewhat parallel, um, Especially during like this COVID crisis, I mean, it's it's absolutely essential to to be nimble and just like uh, being able to adapt. So, um, who knows what's going to happen come December when this contract ends? Um, so, just kind of like being ready for whatever happens, and just kind of like having a bunch of different projects all at the same time. So,
1: yeah, it's a good thing. Um, one thing I did want to ask you about uh, is kind of your and I try to touch on this or have conversations about it. Cause I think it's the world we live in, but like your relationship with social media is like, mm-hmm. you, you go very ghost a lot of times, but then when you <laughs> just like drop a lot of greatness, <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask that, man. what your thought process was like, what is your relationship with social media? Like, do you, you like, even like I sent you a DM And you didn't respond for like days on end, you know, fairly active. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I feel like it's a, it's an ongoing experiment with myself as well. Um, Just because it's such a, it's such a great tool. It's obviously kind of like the designers go to in terms of sharing a portfolio and um, connecting with other people in the community. Um, I definitely feel like it's, it's, I hesitate to say essential, but yeah, like essential in terms of like being a a participating member, especially in like the, again, the COVID era of things, you know, it's like, how else are you going to see or communicate with the people that you want to connect with? Um, but in terms of going ghosts, I feel like if anything, it's just like, it's about controlling personally the, uh, the things that I'm consuming so to speak um because you in the sense that you are what you eat in terms of food you are what you consume as well in terms of media um and i feel like that's really really clear in my my own work um whenever like i say read a book that then immediately comes out in the things that i sketch or like you know build a world around you know, uh, a particular character or something like that. I feel like I've been really getting into the world of world building. Um, It's something that's always like subconsciously been in my mind in terms of generating concepts, but now I'm trying to bring that more to the forefront. And as I sort of develop that skill, I feel like it becomes more and more clear that like, I guess I've become more careful with the things that I'm consuming. And so I feel like those periods of being ghosts, like oftentimes I'm like working really hard on like a specific concept and I don't want any distraction from that whatsoever. Um, and then like <laughs> these periods of like just sporadically posting things. Um, I think it's like kind of like the, the garbage like dump or like word vomit equivalent of like parts and pieces of those things that I've been like working on in those off times. And so there's oftentimes like a delay between like the stuff that I've already done. They'll just be like thousands of photos of my camera roll from like six months ago or like three months ago that I'll then just kind of like almost piece together in like a storyline of like something that I'm like going to present, so to speak later, you know? So it's, I feel like it's, it's an ever refining sort of like tool because there's like that consumptive side of social media and there's like the presenting side of it as well.
1: What I like so though, it's it's like... is it's it's best uh, to create, not consume. So if you're creating mm. more content versus consuming more content, you're better off that way. Um, that's how mm. I have my relationship with it. But I it, the, the word essential is pretty funny because I, I actually agree with you. Like it, it, we're in 2020, it's basically like you're living breathing resume and portfolio like every everything you do it, it's there it's live it's you mm-hmm. you do you actually exist without an online presence i don't know hmm. so
0: yeah that's an interesting one yeah i feel like before covid i definitely was like especially when uh, I was looking into more like photography is like another one of those like roots to like design and like that eye uh, for me. And I was like shooting a lot of film at the time. And it felt like such a waste to like post a photo that I took on film on, you know, something that you consume the size of this, you know, it just, there was like a weird sort of like backwards to it. I It was like, I'd rather like people see this in person, like, so they can see the grain you know this big on like a giant print and so my mentality was really trying to like figure out a way to like create more of an experience like an in-person thing to get away from you know this sort of like social media based thing because it's it's still something that like i feel like essential in terms of communication tool but it's not essential in terms of presenting work you know if that makes any sense like there i feel like certain things it's good to share digitally but like you're not going to be able to replicate the experience of going to a museum just digitally you know so like in that sense like it still exists if it's not on social media and that you know that thing is there and there's a value to obviously being and meeting people in in person as opposed to digitally and so it's kind of that weird you know essential
1: based on context if you will. Even with like this platform, like an untold narrative, it's like, I would guess probably half the guests that have been on like, are purely an internet relationship between me and them. And some of them I've right. never spoken to before. So uh, it's kind of this, this, again, this isn't meeting in person, but during COVID, this is meeting in person. So <laughs> it's like the, 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 I would yeah, love basically conversations in real life, but it's just, the, you got to right. given, but yeah, it's like instead of just having relationships with people, you know, through DMS or, or, or text or whatever it is, like have a phone call, like, have a real conversation. Um, mm-hmm. What's the difference? Definitely. So, um, and then, so you, you mentioned you, you got a couple things, you know, cooking, uh, in the future. Do you, how far like into the future do you actually think about like yourself and what you're working towards? And like, do you have like major life goals or aspirations? Major life goals and aspirations. That's a big one, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Well, yeah, I feel like uh, as I graduated from college, I was like, the end goal would be to have some type of studio, um, multidisciplinary studio. Um, So I feel like everything that I've been going through career-wise, whether it be furniture, graphics, photography you know now footwear um it's all sort of like leading and they're just parts and pieces to like what this interdisciplinary studio is going to be um so i feel like for that to come into fruition i need to gain enough like experience in both terms of both the design side as well as like the business side um to really do that in the right way and so i feel like it's just kind of a matter of time experience and kind of hitting a point where I'm like, all right, I have a clear idea of like, what it is that I want to bring to the world. Um, because, you know, as I get more experience, there's kind of like this contradictory thing where I'm like, the more, the less and less I want to make things in the sense that like, you just start to like see too much and that like, regardless of anything you make, there's going to be like waste and like you're just contributing to like you know does your product need to exist is the question that i ask at the end of the day and it's something that i struggle with probably every day if not every other day you know it's kind of like at the worst at like the depressive lows of that idea like i'm like i don't want to make anything because like what's the point of like making more fluff you know like and so i think what saves my mentality at the end of the day is that stories really matter um and like what is the message that you want to convey and so right now i'm working with a a couple people on um setting up a photo shoot and i have like a few footwear pieces that are 100 like scavenged like pieces nothing's from like raw materials yep um and so the game for me is like what can i put together in terms of like basically an art piece that is going to be speaking on like our consumerism by basically not paying for anything, just getting all like the free stuff and repurposing things as possible to kind of like build this narrative. Um, because at the end of the day, if like the message that I'm trying to convey, um, changes somebody's mind or inspires somebody to, you know, think about their relationship with product, um, to be less wasteful and to like maybe rethink about the ways that they, you know, consume um, to be hopefully more um, sustainable or reusing things that exist. um, Then to me, I've like accomplished what I'd like to, so quote unquote, sell. Um, So I feel like that's just kind of like one manifestation of like the studio, so to speak, um so it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical product all the time it could be a photo shoot where the output so to speak is a, a photo montage of a, a story um so yeah I, f- I feel like that's kind of like those portfolio pieces that build to that idea of like uh the end game the the studio and like that process I guess so wherever that leads you know who knows if it's going to be footwear in the next two years three years it could be you know I start running writing anime comics or like you know become a costume designer or you know isn't that like
1: work the at most, like most beautiful part of living today that you can totally shoot yeah honestly by like putting your energy and passions into something you can totally to figure it out and- yeah I think that's the exciting part. It's like, we're, we're not, we're no longer, I I would say, you know, years ago, you were bound by like working a nine to five, paying your bills, Mm -hmm. going on a vacation once a year. And like, that was life. Right. Yeah. I feel like in a
0: sense, like, you know, to a certain degree, video games have really like influenced my my mentality of like hustle, because in like video games, depending on what you're playing, if it's like a MMORP or whatever, like you're playing with other players. Like at least in some of the games I play, they were like kind of like open markets where you could like buy, sell, and trade things with other people and like you'd be like damn like this person's like flexing like look at all this money they got in the video game like i didn't do that and so you start to think about like the efficient ways to do it there's like sometimes like hacks that people are using but like you realize that same thing applies to like your real life as well and so you can kind of like do that exact same hustle or whatever and so to me i'm like in the same way that you're like an archer in the video game and then you like switch to being more of like a sword person like the same thing in life I could choose to like hop on a crab boat tomorrow or maybe that's not in season anymore but like you get the premise of like just kind of changing your environment and being like all right well I just made like 15-20k over like the course of a few weeks doing this fishing boat thing and like now what I want to do I can go move to another you know place and just kind of like do whatever and so it's like it doesn't really matter you know it just kind of like
1: you love it you love it man and use your own adventure 1,000%. I'm clipping that. (laughs) That was beautiful. (laughs) I'm going to go on a crab boat tomorrow, but it's not in season right now. (laughs) Uh, No, but you're you're 1,000% right. And I think that's, you know, for, for anybody watching uh, you're not only a talented footwear designer, but I can imagine that that same process is going to be applied to whatever you touch. So <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked to see the studio, and, oh man, and, and build out these these stories, right? I think I think that's something that's always like I've always been fond of is people who can you know really storytell and how things, you know, you know, even hearing you talk about, um, you know, the influence of of does this need to exist? I think one of the best uh, parts of COVID and I'll say that very lightly obviously because it is a negative situation but it's from my perspective it's like I've been stuck in this 650 square foot apartment for five months now mm. and I look around the same four walls every single day and it asks right. guy, why do I need all this shit and the answer is right. like, and so to me even like it's allowed me to really hone in on a, a, a little bit more of a minimalistic li- like lifestyle and like donate you know a, a lot of shoes and like <laughs> and all this other stuff because we just don't need that much we inherently like just have yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah and I,
0: I feel like that's definitely been an influence on some of the products that I've been working on recently that are like not only like modular but like how do you just minimize the amount of like footwear or apparel that you have so that it's like multi-functioning and like not that everything needs to be like modular, so to speak, but just kind of like thinking of that lens of like minimalism
1: and utility yeah. and things like that. But, um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, believe it or not, we've actually been uh talking for an hour already. Um, so, uh, this has been awesome. I, um, I don't, do you have your own personal website or anything like that, or is it just like how do you like, yeah, yeah. Do? just? shoejones.com there we go I'll, uh, well we'll we'll plug it <laughs> so people can find you and stuff especially when you start ghosting people on instagram um no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty good at that so I'm that. <laughs> uh, but yeah no i think i think the i think the only other thing that like i'd want to just you know mention is just like people like look out for for shoe in the future i mean i, I don't know if you want to share how old you are but you're still really young 25 i feel
0: like i'm I'm at that like quarter life crisis point right Do you feel that way? what's that Do you feel that way uh like not in the worst way but definitely kind of in the sense that it's like you know what is it that you want to like do with your life because you know we don't have that much time in terms of the grand scheme of things and it's like is this not only the career path but like you know like what is it that i want to like contribute in sort of a way um so in a, in a sense lightly, but i feel like i have like that type of crises like all the time because i've been, always been that like what if kid of like what if the plane crashes and like you land in the ocean and then so it's probably not saying all too much based off of my my personality <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you shouldn't worry about it we're gonna live another three or four lifetimes a lot more crab fishing to do hey actually like i might go today i, I bought like a little
0: crab pot oh that's uh, mostly a real, for a photo this shoot is a
1: real, this is a real thing
0: this is a real thing. I bought a crab pot for the sense, for the sake of a, a photo shoot and because I like the materials on it. Um, but I was like, fuck it, I have a crab pot. And so I bought a crab fishing license today. And so I'm going to go pick up this cooler for free off of Craigslist right now after this. And then, <laughs> and then just go try to fish for some crab.
1: I mean, who knows? That's that's awesome. I'm going <laughs> know how that goes. Um, I will. Is, is crab fishing different than normal fishing? Like, what is there, like, a technique to it? So, let's see.
0: Or I don't really
1: have anything depth depth that depth. I can make. Give <laughs> <Even> me one sec. <laughs> He's totally just going to pick up some... Uh, Right now, there's a there's a pause in the audio because he's picking up um his, his crab fishing gear. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. <laughs>
0: I don't know how it works out of there. Apparently, it's just two rings, and uh, you drop it down, and when you pull it back up, it turns into like this basket that they can't get out of. So that's super cool. I've never used one before, but watched a bunch of YouTube videos, learned some knots. So let's go
1: for it. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> I'm going to let, I'm going uh, to wrap this up and you can get to crab fishing. Um, people go follow shoe, uh, go check out his work. Um, there's one takeaway hustle, uh, grind, go, go try something new. You never know what it's going to lead to. Um, So thanks for joining us on episode 16. This is actually going to be the season finale of season two. Uh, So thanks everybody for listening. uh, And thanks Shu for joining us.
0: Hey, Thanks for having me, man.
1: Absolutely, man. We'll talk super soon. All right. All right, man. All right. Cheers. Got you.